Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Fan Junkies Radio, and it's going to be a good one. I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis. Alongside me, as always, my co-host and my partner in crime, Mike McShane. How you doing, Mike? Very good, Jonathan. Busy, busy week weekend in sports, I'll tell you. Wow. It was it, it was a wild and wacky one, that's for it sure. It really was. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm almost happy to have a nice, quiet uh, Monday morning here, because I just feel like for the past three days, it's been nonstop with uh, all of the things I've had on my agenda. Well, I hear you, man. It's uh, you know we're getting out to a slow start here today, unfortunately, coming off this uh, long and tiring weekend. Yep. But uh, you know, before we do anything, I just uh, have to give a shout out to my nephew Christian, who turned ten years old this weekend. Oh, there you go. So uh, I promised him I'd give him a little shout out here on Fan Junkies Radio today. So there you go, buddy. Happy birthday. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, ten years old, man. It feels like he was just born yesterday. It's crazy. Yeah. Time sure does fly. You're not kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I can speak to well, that. Well, you know that, right? I can speak to that one for sure, yep. <laughs> you know about that stuff, don't you? Buddy? Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? We have a great show today. Uh, you know, Joining us in just a couple of minutes is author Russ Cohen, who has a new book out called The Winter Classic, The yep. NXL Savior. Uh, we're going to talk to Russ about that book, uh, maybe even about his uh, last book, 100 Ranger Greats, and definitely we're going to talk NHL Lockout with Russ. Long-time yep. friend of mine, and, uh, you know, glad to have him on. We were supposed to have him on, uh, what, last month? Oh, yeah, it was a little while ago, and then we had we had some issues. Yeah, there. we had uh, some issues, unfortunately, so it's definitely great to uh, get him uh, all rescheduled and have him on today. We're definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, and, and this is a, you know, it's a, it's a great book for, for hockey fans. Uh, you know, I, I, I started reading some of it uh, in the past couple of days, and uh, just a, you know, wonderful time. I mean, you know, you, you got the holidays coming. Good holiday holiday pickup for for some of your hockey fans out there. Oh, absolutely! You know what? If if you have a legit hockey fan in your family, or you are, or even are one, want to buy yourself a gift, definitely check out Russ's book. I was reading uh, some of it this weekend. Unfortunately, I couldn't read all of it. Right. But uh, you know, I want to thank Russ for uh, you know sending out some copies of that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great book. But you know what? Let's get to Russ now so we can talk about it. Absolutely. Right. All right. Great. So joining us now is author Russ Cohen. Russ, how you doing, buddy? Good, John. How are you? We're doing real good, man. Thanks for uh, coming uh, back uh, on the air. So, you know, it's uh, nice to get you back on. So, Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for being with us, Russ. Yep, no problem, Mike. So uh, let's talk about your new book here, right from the start. Uh, the Winter Classic, The NHL Savior. So basically tell our listeners what gave you the idea to write this book and what it's about. Well, back in the day in 03, I went to the Heritage Classic. I, I was sort of three years into my writing career and – Thought it was cool that I uh, could get out there and experience that and really sort of like the outdoor hockey experience. And then when I got wind that the NHL was going to have an outdoor game, I, I went and got credentialed for that. And we trucked up to Buffalo and we found that to be such a good experience. And I kept going back every year. And, and I think by the fourth one, we decided, hey, you know, me and Mike Del Tufo, because we, we cover a lot of Flyers games together and some other NHL events. And we decided, let's do this book because – these outdoor games are like nothing else that the NHL puts on, and that's not a slight on the NHL's regular season. It's just there's just a lot of variables to these outdoor games, and and even though they canceled the one this year, we felt like there's enough of a history of the other ones where there's plenty of fans of other teams and just fans of the Winter Classic in general that might want to know more about it, and we could always update it in the future. So it's just one of those things where we look at these games as complete anomalies, everyone is different, 
and they're just a lot of fun. And players sort of look at them in a special way, too. If you read the forward by Ty Conklin, he mm-hmm. pretty much lets you know that. And that's the the beauty of it, I think. The, uh, Russ, let me ask you, because I've not attended one. Uh, I wish I could have. I wish I had been down to the uh, one down there at uh, Citizens Bank Park, uh, mm-hmm. because, of course, that's right here in my locale. Um, however, I have watched every single one that's been on television. Now, you say that this particular event is like no other event that the NHL puts on. Uh, not having been to one of these myself personally, tell me, what is it, you know, is it one thing or is there a couple of things that has you saying, boy, this is just different, this is special, this is this is so unique? What is it? Well, getting past the first one, which didn't have the same kind of pomp and circumstance and fanfare that future ones were to have, they they have a lot of things going on outdoors. They have basically they'll have retailers there. They'll have rinks for kids. So they have an outdoor festival. So that's that's fun in and of itself. The practices are very unusual. And and I go to a fair amount of hockey practices, but you know they're all pretty pretty normal unless it's during the playoffs or you think someone's injured or or it's the beginning of the year. Otherwise, you know, practice is practice. But these practices are entirely different. Definitely weird things happen. The weather changes. Guys are wearing eye black. They're not wearing eye black. They're wearing hats. They're not wearing hats. They're all of a sudden they're skating with their family. All of a sudden, you know, just all kinds of different things happen at different times. So you have that, and then then you actually have the game. And sometimes you even you know run into the talent that they have at the game, and you, and you talk to those guys, people like James Taylor and, and such. So I, I just. And it is amazing people that you could run into. You know, I have a, a part where I ran into Duff Goldman, and I certainly don't travel in the same circles as him. Even though he's a hockey fan, you know, he's out there, you know, on the Food Network, and and I'm, you know, covering sports. So no, no. But, yeah, <laughs> but it was fun, and it's and those kinds of things I find very interesting, and and just then the games themselves, they always have little differences based on the venue. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? You've been to, uh, well, more than I've been to and more of Mike's have been to. From writing this book and just, you know, going over your thought process and everything, which to you was was the was, was the winter classic where you, where you said to yourself, wow, this is something really special. This is something that the NHL can run with this for so many years. Well, I think the first one gave me the thought process that they could do this again and, and do it bigger and better because – you know, the first one was sort of a tester. Let's see how it tests out in the U.S. market. Let's see if it'll work on TV. Let's see if fans will like it. Let's see if people will show up. I think all of those questions were being asked by the league. And even Gary Bettman, you know, we have quotes in there. He certainly downplayed it, which the NHL never downplays anything they put on. But they certainly downplayed it at the beginning because they really didn't know. Mm-hmm. So you... You get there, and there wasn't a lot of pomp and circumstance. And I remember being calling into XM because they wanted a full report from me on what was going on. And, and I remember walking through the parking lot saying, "You know, it just—it it looks like a regular hockey game, except it's in a football stadium." And and I, there, you know, there was maybe one or two concession stands, nothing big. And so you didn't have that full feel yet. But then when we started walking through the stadium. They they were testing the pyrotechnics, and we were right there, and we felt the heat from it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that would ever happen again, because they probably would just kick us out when they were doing things like that. <laughs> but, but back then, it's just one of those things where they just were doing it. So mm-hmm. they, all those things sort of make it a little different. And then even the press box, we were like, wow, this is pretty great, because you know, being in a football stadium, the vantage point was, was certainly interesting, and, and you know, you there was buffalo wings in the press box being served because you're in Buffalo, and we were sort of giggling about that. Yeah. And and you know, and as the game went on, you got the feel that hey, this is definitely different. And and I grew up on Long Island, so there was only two rinks on the island, and and one when I was a little kid, and then two later on. So I, I did a fair amount of ice skating, but I, I didn't play ho- ice hockey because you really had to travel and 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 i had to just be able to get to whatever sports i can get to because both parents worked but we did have a a little rink down the block a kid Mm -hmm. his parents built like a half rink and so we used to fool around on that quite a bit and so everybody has that in them even if you're 
in a place like Long, Long Island or if you're a place in Nova Scotia, everybody has sort of experienced outdoor pond hockey or something yeah. to that degree mm. where they could say, hey, you know, I can relate to this. And it's a one yep. and, and it's a one-time emotional investment. If you're not a hockey fan, you don't have to watch the whole season. You can just watch this game. Yep. You're, you know, you're right on with that. I, I, you know, I did play hockey. I played ice hockey when I was a kid. And, yes, I did play on outdoor frozen ponds. And you're absolutely right. There's nothing like that. There's just something something so unique. And, it, you know, when you got the guys together and you run out and you're going to go uh, skate on the frozen pond, I mean, there was just a, a different level of excitement versus when you actually went in and played in a, a rink. You know, because, of course, we did both. You know, we would play in rinks, but then on those special occasions where it would be cold enough that you've got a frozen pond next door to you or down the street from you, and you got everybody together and you're out playing a game. It's, it, there is something completely different about it. Russ, you refer to uh, the classic as uh, NHL savior. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Go into a little bit about what your reference is to that. I mean, when you're talking okay. about something being a savior, it, it's almost as if, the NHL needed to be saved. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, sure, and I think they did. I think coming out of that last lockout, that 04-05 lockout, they probably had a meeting and said, what can we do? And I don't know that this happened. I'm just you know, guessing. But they probably had a meeting saying, what can we do to sort of get things back on track and maybe even – build future events, and they certainly put on the Heritage Classic, and then it was sort of buried for a little while. And I think the planning started happening for that outdoor game, because I know they had talked about it for years before, and we know there was that game in Vegas, and if you watch that on film, it's nothing like what they put on now. It's actually... I'm not even sure you get a clean look at the game, because everything seems to be a little blurry. Mm. Um, And the ice wasn't great, and all those things. So I think... What they decided was, hey, we we know that coming out of this lockout, that last lockout, that we need a marquee event. And the All-Star Game, while it's still around and I still cover them, has lost a little luster. We all know that. And oh, every big sports, time. And every sports All-Star Game has. So, Absolutely. So, they, so they've tried to all breathe life into that, but then they came up with the idea of this, no doubt. And this got them, I think, got them the NBC deal. And I think after NBC witnessed how great this first one was with the snow, with everything else, HD yeah. television had just really come into play for most households. I think that was the uh, the clincher right there. I think that was the selling point. I think that was the wow. Now we've got something else we could really market here. So now let me I, ask you this. Uh, so sorry, Mike. That's right. Go ahead. You know, touching on the All Star Game and how much you know of pizzazz that it has lost over the years, which we all know it definitely has. It hasn't been exciting for a long time now. Do you think ultimately that the NHL could possibly ever do away with the All-Star Game or just have some kind of a huge weekend where the All-Star Game is played after or even before Winter Classic? I think they could do something, and they certainly were planning to have this year's, and I was in Columbus a few months ago and saw the banners, and so they certainly were planning on this year's. But I think... If it were me, and of course they don't consult me, but if it were me, <laughs> I, I think I think they should have it for as the same weekend as the Winter Classic. I think that would make sense. And, and I'm not sure I wouldn't even make one of the outdoor games an all-star game just to sort of uh, re-kickstart it. But if nothing else, I would have it at the same weekend. You might as well and just have it be entirely different so people can look at that and say, wow. This was really something, and sort of, you know, give it that that little extra kickstart that I think it needs. Well, yeah, you know what? If you do the whole alumni game with the, uh, you know, with the All Star Skills Competition on a Saturday, you know, I, I, you know, it could definitely kickstart, and it definitely needs to be kickstarted because it's been terrible the last few years. Yeah, I think it would be a good thing. I'm definitely not against it. The one thing that I, I learned. When I got in some some meetings and such for for the Winter Classic and the NHL would certainly tell us what they were doing and let them ask them a lot of questions and such, nothing is out of bounds for a Winter Classic. And I think that's also the beauty of it because right now we sort of look at it like, okay, whose baseball stadium or football stadium is it going to be in next? But it doesn't have to be in that next. This is an economic uh, 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 giant for for these cities. Uh, that yes. get to host this thing. 
um, which is the only thing that I would think might come into play with regard to uh, throwing, say, the All-Star game into the mix, is because uh, when you're having two different events, you essentially can have two different cities benefit economically from it. Um, I don't well, know I don't know if they go numbers. that far, though, Mike. I know the one thing the NHL seemed to frown upon, which I think was a logistics thing, was basically that they can't have two events like this in two cities within even a week of each other. It just would cause – they feel like it would probably cause too much chaos because it's just too much to to keep an eye on. That's why even with the Heritage Classic, we've only seen one other one because – I don't even think they feel like they could hold a Heritage Classic and a Winter Classic every year either. Right, right. Okay. Why is that? Do you think it would just take uh, the excitement out of the Winter Classic if they did a Heritage Classic before that? or? No, I think it's just it's there, there's a big cost factor. There's mm-hmm. only so many of those machines that, that they have that actually set the you know the ice up and everything else. Yeah. And, and so I think – and there's only a, a limited amount of markets in Canada. Compared to the U.S., right. and I think oh, so. You don't want to basically waste those too quickly. I think. I think that's a factor. <laughs> now, uh, I did not get to uh, chapter eight, uh, mm-hmm. Russ, uh, but I see it is the shortest <laughs> chapter. <laughs> really? The chapter eight for the listeners who don't who who don't have the book right in front of them. Chapter 8 is on the 2013 Winter Classic preview. Um, what, uh, obviously, at the time that you went to press on this, you knew there was not going to be a Winter Classic this year. It, would that, uh, I, and again, I uh, apologize because I haven't gotten to Chapter 8. Yes. We just yeah we, it, it, we have just made that last change, and 8 does say actually the 2014, even though it does say the 2013 in the contents, and I think we just fixed that okay. because we had to make a last-minute change with that. So, yeah, we – we had to make that decision. We made that decision, and that's when we, you know, made the decision to to move forward with the book too. But yes, it's definitely the shortest chapter, and and for good reason. But there is some good stuff in there. But I got to tell you, I can't let my dog out for a sec. Give me ten seconds. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> no problem. Take your time. <laughs> yeah, Russ is like me, man. He's a big animal lover. Uh, well, so. <laughs> we both, we've both been there, haven't we? I mean, we, oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, we've heard, we've heard my dog and my mascot already barking on there. So yep, yep. It always uh, happens, man. It's great times, you know. <laughs> Makes for entertaining radio, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, thought I was good, but I wasn't. But anyhow, <laughs> it, it's just one of those things. But we did have material on it. Yeah. So we felt like we should use it because they're gonna have it. It's just a matter of what year. And I thought some of the quotes were pretty worthy. Uh, Mike Illich is a really great down-to-earth kind of millionaire owner. Yeah. And I had a chance to interview him on the ice after the uh, the Red Wings won the Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh and was very taken with the guy because just the humility of him, just the, like I said, just the regular guy in him. So when you see some of the quotes that he had pre-Winter Classic, you know, he was just like any fan being very excited that it was coming to his city. Mm-hmm. So we, we felt like we should leave that excitement in there. There was some funny stuff in there. And it is eventually going to go to Detroit. So why not? Well, it's, 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 it's definitely going to get there. You know, like we talked about earlier, too, you know, the excitement over it, not only just for the players, because to them it's getting back to what they know and getting back to basics with pond hockey, but... Yeah. To have this event in your city is just, it's huge. Yeah, it, it was going to the big house, right, to Michigan. Yeah, it was going to be in the big house, and then a lot of the other games were going to be at Comerica. Yeah. So, and, and the thing is, and, and there's a big reason why, let's say, if the season started January 1st, it couldn't start with the Winter Classic. It wasn't just about the Winter Classic. It's also about the five or six other games that go that same weekend. How could the OHL make a last-minute decision? How can high schools make a last-minute decision? How can the AHL make a last-minute decision? Right. So that's where the NHL was sort of saying, yeah, you know, we, we can't hold up these other leagues because they were all going to play games too. Yeah, right. Mm. Well, talk you know, us, no, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, talk to us now, though, Russ, about the impact of the fact that we're not going to have one this year in 2013. 
Is there going to be an impact, or is it just, you know, hey, it's all part of the lockout issue, and when the teams come back, everything will be fine, the Winter Classic will be what it was before? No, I think the Winter Classic will be what it was before, but I think it's a huge economic impact and a huge loss to both sides because, as people will find out in the book, there's some numbers, and the NHL was one of the best sellers on Cyber Monday last year. Yeah. It probably had a lot to do with the Flyers and Rangers. It had a lot to do with, you know, the Winter Classic. But I'm pretty sure when we go back and look how the NHL did in selling merchandise this year on Cyber Monday, I'm sure they're not even a blip on the map. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. you know, and that's where I think <coughs> both sides are going to lose a little bit. But once they start it up again, the fans will be all about it. I don't think there's going to be an issue. I don't think – and to be very honest – I know people that are holding the tickets because they said, hey, you know, you could send, send them back in. We'll give you a full refund, including, you know, the fees, or you could just hold it for the next one, and people are holding it for the next one. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, because, you know, why would you even want to miss that, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so you're willing to just leave it there. I mean, you know, hey, it's going to happen. I made this investment. I don't want to lose my seat. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what Mike and I have been talking about for quite a few weeks now since the lockout began is that, you know, the fans are going to come back, you know. I'm sure they're not making the sales that they want to now, whether it's on NHL.com or, or, or whatever else. But when this comes back, I mean, the fans are going to jump right back into it, and the excitement over the Winter Classic is just going to start again like it wasn't even missed. Right. I think the big issue is instead of $3.3 billion, they probably will only be cutting up Two billion to start because they will have a loss at the beginning, and it will take oh, yeah. a little while for some to come back. And but I think I think there's a lot of misnomers. I, I've been covering the lockout the entire time, and I hate it. I believe me, I hate it. And I'm staying up with it, and I and I I know way too much about it. And there are people that are anti-owner. There are people that are anti-player. And and I'm really believe it's a it's a fifty-fifty thing. And time that you might see one side making a PR push or the other side, in the end, the players have already lost. And Donald Fear would never tell them that, but it's true because mm-hmm. they were worried about that $1.3 billion that over time was just going to get pocketed by the owners. And as the weeks went on and the weeks went on and the weeks went on and there were no games, they already lost more than that. Yeah. So, yep. so now you might lose a year off a player's career, which Ted Lindsay made a great point the other day of saying, and I had been trying to say it all along, there are some that that year back. And sometimes that year is the last year of your career. Sometimes that year is the year you could have broken out and really done something, and now maybe when you come back, you're not the same player for a year because you didn't get to practice and play like the top maybe 5% are overseas to keep your skills sharp. So I think that's all going to play into it. And I think at the end of the day, players have to look at this. And they just got a $10,000 stipend, which I think if we all look at that, thought they would get a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And what's 10000 bucks going to do for a hockey player in December? It's not going to do a lot. Yeah. So I, I think we may see a weakening there, but I still right now – you know, I've soured to the point where I think it's 75-25 we don't see a season. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, from what you're saying there, I'm getting a sense that perhaps maybe you're thinking the NHLPA should have perhaps maybe come down a bit. Oh, there's no question. I mean, you're not putting words in my mouth. I think Donald Fear does his job really well. I, I wrote a baseball book, Strike Three. There's a lot of stuff about Donald Fear in it because uh, the baseball player featured in that book had a lot of dealings with the M- MLBPA. And, and so we, we did a lot of writing about Donald Fear. And actually, so I, I respect the work that Donald Fear does, but I think both sides at some point underestimated the other side to the point where we are now. And I think early on, Donald Fear, I think, underestimated the NHL, thinking, well, look what the NBA did, look what the NFL did, they'll follow suit, and, and, and they'll basically come around right around the same time, where clearly they're not. Mm-hmm. And I think the NHL thought, well, at some point, players are going to want to play so badly that they will come back, and essentially Donald Fear will have lost the battle, and they have not. 
Mm-hmm. So I think Donald Fear right now is at the point of no return. He'll never tell you that. He's a cool customer. He's great at relating to guys, but as you saw what Ted Lindsay said, and I had heard pretty much whispers about this, it's not like they get all 700 players voting every time something happens. And so I'm sure they have quite a underbelly of players that really want to get this done, regardless of how much they think they've made off this deal or not, because right. they want to get back to playing. Because let's face it, we know when they're back playing, salaries are up. Salaries were up 75% for them in the last year of that CBA. <laughs> now, yeah. I understand when some fans say, well, why would they want to give up their 57% besides we also should point out that 57% is before expenses. So it, it's it's basically a uh, it's a gross, it's not a net. Right. So I think that's a point. But I think also the players knew and knew with a big grin Hey, we're the only league with 57%. Right. Why are we going to give that up? Meanwhile, no other league does that, right? So right. there was no way the NHL was going to continue on with that. And mm-hmm. I think they knew that. So I think that became a little bit of a bone of contention. But I think an important factor here that, that people sort of overlook, players don't pay for expenses. They don't pay for hotels. They don't pay for flights. They, they even get meal money, which I'm not sure they need. But they get all of these things taken care of them by the owners, yet how could they be equal partners? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they can never be equal partners, and it's always the owner's league, and at the end of the day, there'll never be a player's league. We've seen what happens when the players try to organize things, and it never works out. No. The, the WHA was close, the KHL is the next closest thing, and none of them ever resemble the NHL. And there's a reason for that. So... At some point, you have to get what you can get and say, all right, now I've got to cut my losses. Because if they just let a season go by, then you're really in the unknown. Because we're into our third lockout with this regime, or fourth. Was it the fourth? The, the third. third no, the third. third. The third, but there was a strike. Yeah, there, there was a strike. strike. That's where my right. head was at. Right. So the yeah. third lockout with this regime, and we don't know. We don't know what will happen when you try and start there from scratch. Now, I'll tell you, if they decertify, I don't believe the NHL will crumble like the other leagues did when their PAs started talking decertification and even filed for decertification. Because the thing about that is those other leagues never went through with it. They filed papers, it got to a certain point, and then they basically made a deal because the other leagues didn't want it to get to that. Right. I think at this point, the NHL will let it get to that. And if it does, the players lose again because then everybody's a free agent. I would agree. I think it would be the worst thing in the world the NHLPA could do. It would be because everybody would be a free agent. Fans would then be very incensed because now a Ranger fan wouldn't have Henrik Lundqvist necessarily as their goalie. You don't know yeah. who your goalie would be. Right. Yeah. So basically, nobody is, is a Ranger at that point. You have all that to deal with. Donald Fear would be out, by the way. Yes. He'd automatically be out. He'd have to get voted back in. So you don't know if that would happen. Yeah. And and Donald Fear at that point might just say, okay, I've taken this as far as I could take it and walk away, and then they'd have to get somebody else anyhow. So I think it's a more of a threatening maneuver on their part. Yeah, and I, I think I, the, and I was going to say, I think Bill Daly has played it correctly by saying, listen, if you do it, the season's over. Let's just say that, right, because we see how things drag on in court, right? Yeah. yeah. So we know the season would be over, but then what I don't think – fans realize is, not only would this not kickstart the season right away, because I don't think the NHL is going to blanket the threat, but then right. it could run into next season, yep. and maybe you only get a half season out of next season. Well, and you're bringing me to the next point that I wanted to throw at you, Russ, uh, and that is, uh, what's it going to take to break this stalemate? Is it going to be some players stepping forward and saying, okay, enough is enough, and they, they, they start applying pressure to say somebody like Donald Fair? Uh, Yeah, I think it's going to take some of that, and I think maybe some of that has already begun, and that's why there's this meeting without fear and Batman. And and to me, it's an interesting point because it's basically telling me both sides realize these two guys can't meet anymore. It's just not going to work out. Now, it's not contentious like it was with with Goodnow. It's not like that. Donald Fear doesn't ever get like that with anybody, but it's just they're not getting anywhere, right? 
So they realize, okay, having these guys in the room, you can't get anywhere. But I think the other issue is it's still hard. It's sort of like if you wanted something out of your father and you went to your mother and you said, hey, Ma, can you get Dad to do this? <laughs> well, you know, so they go to this meeting. They still have to go back to the, the other two guys to get it done, right? Right. So it's not a guarantee of anything. Maybe it will be an exchange of new ideas. I think Vinick from Tampa is, is great that he's in there because he's really the only small market guy in there. So I think that's a big thing. And, and I know people were pushing for James Dolan to be in there. Me personally, I'm not sure he would have gotten anything done. So I think it, that's why at the end of the day he's not in there. Because, again, the Rangers make more money than they're, they're one of the top three teams in the league. Yeah. So I think players would look at that and still not be thrilled that he's in there. Maybe some Rangers would be thrilled, but I think otherwise they wouldn't be. So I think they've tried to at least strategically do this, but I think the one thing you could look at if you ever want to get a clue as to how you think a session's going to go, and it, it's it's unfortunate because I've had two bad predictions about when this would end already, so don't think I've got it figured out because I don't. Yeah, we're not going to put money in your word now. So. Don't. Right. Jonathan don't. and I make bad picks too. Don't worry about it right now. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. But, but what I'm saying is – so. You, there is a clue, though, and I, I realized the meetings before Thanksgiving, there was no way there was ever going to be an agreement because I could look at who the PA sent, and they were sending, like, second-year players, third-year players. When those guys are sent, it's nothing serious. They're sending them for just the experience of doing this so they could be a part of the process. You have to have the Craig Adamses of the world, guys that are actually really lawyers in real life practically now because they're educated and they're a year away from ending their career. It's those guys. When those guys are going for the PA, then that's when you know they're serious because mm -hmm. when a second, third-year player is going, they don't have the same knowledge. They don't have the same anything that these other veterans do and some of these guys that are really knowledgeable. Yeah, well, that's why Trevor Linden was such a huge part of the last one. Correct. You know, and that's why, uh, you know, with that whole divide that he created, which got rid of Bob Gooden now, you know, it's you know, it's going to take somebody to step up and try to be that next Trevor Linden now. But I will tell you, I think the big mistake was when they got rid of Paul Kelly. Yeah. Because Paul Kelly was able to get things done with the NHL. Yeah. And even though the players may not get the same deal with a Paul Kelly, they would have had labor peace. And yeah, I think but you know what? These players aren't suffering either way. You know? No. That's the thing. Well, you know, they're I mean, still that's making... not true. Well, that's not true. They're still making out good. They still make out good when they're getting paid. Uh, if you're on your entry-level deal, and let's say you did buy a house and you have a kid and everything else, and you've sort of lived high on the hog, yeah. you might be sweating it out. Or, yeah. or if you're one of those guys who's a free agent every year who's only getting three, four, five hundred thousand. I say only because we never make that. Yeah, part. I was going to say uh, only. Come on. <laughs> but still, you know, but, you you start looking at that depending on how high on the hog they live. Right. I think there's a fair amount of them sweating it out, to be honest. And I think that's why when you see guys like Crosby, and, and if none of those guys are ever taking part in these meetings, I don't think it'll ever get done. And that's why when players like Nash, the guys who make the big money, are all off overseas playing, well, that's basically telling me, eh, if you get it done, you get it done. If not, I'm still getting paid. And And I'm not holding it against them, but I'm just saying that you're not part of the process where – Maybe a guy like Brad Richards, who got paid $22 million in a calendar year, is still here, at least trying to help get it done. Yeah, yeah. And that's the other part you got to remember, too, guys. Owners, people could say, fans can say, oh, we hate the owners, we hate the owners, we hate the You know, the players don't hate them that much because a lot of them got signing bonuses that never existed within the last three years, knowing that this could happen. And so yeah. some guys got anywhere from $2 million to someone like Brad Richards, who got 20 something million dollars in one year to sort of tide them over. Yeah, good point. Good point. No, this is, a, this is a great point, you know. But you know what? Let me ask you this. Out of all the people who are on the, uh, on the negotiating committee for the NHLPA, so you're basically saying it's going to take a guy like a Greg Adams to really Adams, step yeah. up yeah. and play the role like a Trevor Linden played. Yeah, yeah. Or, and I think or, 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 like, or like a Marty Buran. So you're saying basically a seasoned vet yeah. who knows what they're doing and what they're talking about. No question about it. It's okay. the same thing with, with baseball where – a guy like Tom Glavin was sort of in the lead there uh, for the 94 strike. It's the same thing. You have to have a guy like that. And Craig Adams, I'm going to see if I can look up what his degree is, but he might have a law degree. But, yeah, he's Harvard University. So, you know, but he's a guy who went to class. When you go to Harvard, you actually go. 
<laughs> and, you know, and, unless you're Louis LeBlanc and you're out in a year. But, you know, he's a smart kid, too. So he went when he was there. I mean, he's actually a brilliant kid. He just, you know, he went to the CHL after that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, a guy like Craig Adams is could be – we could be looking at the next head of the PA and a guy like him. Yeah. And so I think he's a key guy to have in there because he is a smart guy. He knows the league. He is educated to the point where he understands a lot of this. And, obviously, he's been in on a lot of these. Yeah, and it would be – you know, it would be a great thing to have a legit player – being the head of everything one day, you know, so these guys know like that. Like Ted Lindsay was back in his yeah, day, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I think you that's know, the just have this, you know, just uh, one lawyer who doesn't know where these players are coming from being well, the head of the committee, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's always I've always kind of felt that Donald Fear was kind of a hired gun to begin with. Well, he is, and the worst you know? thing that Donald Fear does is whispers in your ear, "I can get you more." Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, he he reminds me of every despicable agent that's out there. <laughs> Well, I, I wouldn't say – see, I can't use despicable only because he's there to do a job. If you hire him to do that job, he's going to do it. You may hate the way he goes about doing it. You may hate the fact that you lost a year, year and a half until it got done. But he's going to get it. You know, He's going to make you money just to what degree. So it's sort of like you have to decide whether that was a good idea after the fact – but he's not a despicable guy. Like if you have a conversation with him, he is a very normal guy. We, you know, he came into a. Uh, I was in a meeting with with Donald Fear, and and you, you come out of there saying, "Hey, he's an impressive guy." Oh well, yeah, like I mean, or not, it's another story, you know. I certainly don't mean it in a personal respect. I guess I mean yeah, it yeah. more from the yeah. standpoint of just their 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 business practice. You know what I'm yes. saying? I, you know, that's where I guess I'm coming from. Well, yeah, right, let me no, ask you this before we let you go, though. Um, tomorrow's meeting with the players. Do you think anything good is going to come out of this? Was this the right move to go with? I don't think anything immediate comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Could something a little more long-term come out of it? Perhaps. Yeah, just like I a think... little glimmer of hope or something? Or, you know. I've had a lot little... of those, Jonathan. Yeah. It's, a, it's a real little glimmer, but I, I'll, I'll tell you that they have to get this wrapped up before the Christmas break where you know clearly things are going to stop to a grinding halt. And if they don't have an agreement in place by then, I don't think we have a season. So I think this is a little glimmer where they're at least sort of changing things up. I knew the when, when they when they had the mediator there, that would be nothing. And it was it actually, I would have to say, that turned out to be less than what I thought it would be. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was a complete joke. It really I, I think was. Everybody, everybody was disappointed by that. I mean, I think everybody was thinking, oh, this, this might be the way to go. Well, I knew... It wasn't going to end it because it wasn't binding arbitration. I knew that much, but yeah. I didn't count on the fact that it would end so quickly with so little results. Exactly. I thought maybe you get something out of it, a little cracker, and you got nothing. I mean, it was right. just like they just shrugged their shoulders <laughs> and, and left the room. It's basically so, it's just what everybody knew already. Listen, well, these guys can't meet anymore. That's it. It's done. I, you know? I got the impression that they almost thumbed their nose at them. Yeah. I, I think it comes down to this, and I think it's a situation where players have to decide – can they live with the offer that's on the table if the NHL doesn't budge? And I think at the end of the day, they should. And it's not like I'm trying to spend their money for them or, or anything else, but I think at the end of the day, if they looked in the mirror and said, what, would I, what else would I be doing if I wasn't playing for the NHL? I think then they would have a very scary life because I think – Five percent of these guys would actually do well in the in the corporate world or do something, and maybe another five percent would play overseas, and everybody else would be out of work. Oh yeah, yeah. these guys would be lost. Yep. No doubt about They'd it. They'd be lost, and I think they need to think, take that into consideration. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Russ, listen, how's the book doing, Russ? Real quick. It, it's doing well, actually. Uh, it's doing really well. It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and it should be coming out in stores soon. And so far, so, so good. And, huh? <laughs> I was just going to ask you that to let everybody know where they can buy it. So yeah, yeah, those are, those are the main places, and and yeah, so far so good, and and we're just starting to to gear up for some press and, and everything else. So you guys are right on the uh, cusp of it, and I appreciate it. Well, there you go. That's that's Jonathan and I. We're always ahead of the curve. Yeah, we'll definitely be plugging it away for you here, man. So uh, well, yeah, thanks, I, I I've been saying, hey, good pre-Christmas sort of thing, right? Yep, yep, definitely is. And and what we're finding is. There was some worry when we put it out, hey, will people just not care about hockey anymore? And what we're finding is the actual opposite where people are dying for anything hockey. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. Well, Russ, thanks for uh, taking the time out of your schedule to uh, talk to us about the uh, NHL lockout and, of course, your new book, The Winter Classic, The NHL Savior. 
And hopefully after the book is out there, uh, we can get you back on, hopefully when the season starts. Absolutely. Thanks, John. Thanks, Mike. And, and my Great last stuff, comment John. and my last comment for you is, I don't know if it's 100% that the Greg McElroy era started yet either, and you guys can <laughs> chat about that. Thanks, Rob, man. <laughs> Come on, it's breaking my heart already, and that's what we're going to get to right now. So, All right. Take care, guys. Take care, bro. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Goodbye. Take care. You know, everybody's got to throw in those little Jets things there. Uh, here. Well, that, listen, that was right at you, dude. Oh, well, of course. Well, you know, Russ is a Jets fan as well, so. Uh, I know he is. I know he is. You know, he feels the pain, so. But you know what? Let's uh, you know what? Let's get into football here. we got about 20 minutes left in this show. It was uh, great to have Russ on. A lot of information. Yeah, very knowledgeable. And I a lot of listeners that. didn't know, so that's always great to have uh you know, well, to, to, to really explain it to people. Exactly. Know. Very, very knowledgeable on the topic. And that's that's why I think, you know, at least I wanted to keep him on for a little bit longer, was oh. to get to some of his, you know, pick his brain a little bit, because it's obvious he follows this thing very, very closely. Absolutely. Well, we'll definitely get him back on. Uh, hopefully, by the time we do, uh, the NHL season will be on. If not, we'll, we'll have him either way, because like he said, people are still dying for anything NHL, so... All right, well, let's talk some football, Mike. We had some uh, wacky wins yesterday and some upsets. Uh, upset number one we're going to go with here, St. Louis Rams defeating the 49ers 16-13. to And uh, they're in a game. One of the first things I uh, sent out to you was, uh, yeah, starting Colin Kaepernick was really smart over your starting quarterback, Alex Smith. Well, you know, I kind of said it uh, for a good portion of the week. In fact, and I, and let me back it up. I didn't say it. I questioned it. I questioned it. I questioned it to everybody that is knowledgeable in football. Is this the right thing to be doing? You got a quarterback in Alex Smith. He's ranked number five in the NFL. Really? You're going to hand it to a guy who's, quote unquote, got the hot hand for two games, three games? Well, I don't know. I think it showed yesterday. There were a lot of really, really bad plays Kaepernick had yesterday. A lot of really uh, just unwise uh, 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 throws and, and possessions that he had. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny because, I mean, you know what? The Rams, they just tied the 49ers not too many weeks ago. Correct. And it, this one almost went to it, a tie. It really could. And that would have been funny. I'm, I'm sorry. But that would have, I, I was hoping it would have been because that would have been such an interesting trivia for down the line. You're not kidding. We're, you know, it's something to watch. But listen, Colin Kaepernick wasn't terrible yesterday. No, he wasn't. He just wasn't. Uh, to me, if you have a quarterback that's going to rush for 84 yards, you're barely going to win or not going to win at all. Well, I've said that I've said that repeatedly, not only about Kaepernick but about others. I've said that too about RG3. I don't think you can have your quarterback being your leading rusher. Yeah. Right now, I agree with what RG3 is doing, and I've said that because he doesn't have the targets to throw to. But let me tell you something, RG3, he's got a gun. Yes. And can that kid throw? And I'm talking about accuracy, laser-type passes, and downfield, man, he's going to be good. But I don't see that with Colin Kaepernick. Well, I don't know. I, no, I've seen him. Hybrid. I hybrid. No, I've seen him throw. I've seen him throw. Some throw but let me tell you, he doesn't have an arm like an RG3. Well, maybe not. Uh, I, his longest yesterday was 30 yards, uh, Kaepernick was, to uh, Michael Crabtree. The difference between what you're looking at on Sam Fran and what you're looking at, as you just pointed out, Jonathan, over on over on the Washington Redskins, is the difference, I believe, in the quote-unquote weapons. Uh, I think Sam Fran's got far far more of them. And Let me tell you, man. You have RG3 and the 49ers? Oh, yeah. Forget about it. Oh, yeah. For, yeah. Crabtree, Moss, Manningham, uh, you know, Davis, Ginn, Gore. I mean, the options that are there for a guy like RG3 would be insane. Or even Andrew Luck. But I think the point is is I, I think our point is is well taken that when you've got Kaepernick beating Gore on the rushing board, something's wrong with the picture here. Something's wrong with the with with the play calling. Oh well, well absolutely. And let, let me tell you, I'm I'm not saying that Alex Smith is a tremendous quarterback because he's not. I, I agree. He's an average, maybe a little bit better than that because he's yeah. starting to grow into his own this year. But to sit him for Colin Kaepernick right now, I mean, yes, you're eight three and well, you were eight two and one yesterday. Right. You're eight three and one today. But let me tell you, you just gained a loss by doing what you did. Well, and that was my question on Thursday night on Five Minutes at the Frat House. My question was, okay, you're eight two and one going into this game. If Kaepernick loses, who's your quarterback next week? You're probably going to Alex Smith. In which case, now Harbaugh has gone and created himself a quarterback controversy that did not need to be there. Uh, and listen, let me tell you, that fumble that Kaepernick lost. Absolutely. That was, that was gross. It, it, was, it was awful. It was so bad. That play looked so bad. It was, I think, about 30 feet over the guy's head. 
honest to God. I mean, that was something you would see in a high school play. Seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you know, over on the other side, you know, Bradford. You know, ah, I, I pointed it out to, uh, to Sidekick here, who is our who is our, our frat house resident <laughs> Rams fan. Yeah. I don't know, nothing's taken away from him. Listen, I made the point yesterday. I believe that the two big teams, two big teams you're going to see the greatest improvement from next year, next season, will be the Miami Dolphins and will be the St. Louis Rams. However, I said to Sidekick yesterday, some of it may be pointed directly at Bradford because you've got to start questioning now with this being his third year in the league, is this the guy you're going to build this team with? Well, listen, I'm, I'm, you know what? To me, he's got no weapons. He's never had any weapons. Besides the Danny Amendola who can't stay healthy and on the field. Jackson? What happened? Jackson, come on, man. Jackson's aging. He's done. I'm sorry. You know, 48 yards yesterday, just a few measly yards the week before. He has these glimmers of hope here and there sometimes where he looks like the Steven Jackson of old. But... Look at the wide receiving and the tight end line. They really don't have anybody. I mean, they have a couple of young guys, but that's about it. I think that I think that Fisher went in there this year to address the defense. And well, that, yeah, absolutely. And now that he has done. Look at their offense. Yeah, that he has yeah. done, and I think he's done a good job in addressing the, the 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 Rams defense. I think next year now, and that's why I say that I believe next year this is when you're going to see the Rams start to. Uh, you're really going to start to see the improvement. I think next year will be the year that you're going to start to see Fisher address the offensive side of the ball. Oh. And that is why I said to uh, Psychic, I think at that point then, you might start to see questions being raised about Bradford. Absolutely. Well, we'll figure it out. Jeff Fisher was the best thing that they ever did. I agree, 100%. Let's get into the next game real quick. We don't have much time left. Steelers defeated the Ravens 23-20. to To me, huge upset. Yeah. Holy Batch and Jonathan Dwyer defeated the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, who'd have, who'd have thunk this? I, I mean... You know, as soon as as soon as the word came down that Ben Roethlisberger wasn't in the game, I gotta tell you, I mean, everybody, everybody was flocking, flocking over to Flacco, <laughs> uh, flocking I mean, I, over to uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Well, you know, Charlie Batch, really? How many lives does Charlie Batch have in the NFL? <laughs> yeah, he's like a cat, huh? He's, he's worse than a cat. <laughs> he's like on his seventeenth life in the NFL right now. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Every time he comes in, he does something like this. You, well, you wonder why he really never got a nod to start anywhere else in the NFL. you got to think that, you know, listen, this was a pivotal game for Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, think about absolutely. it. It, it. It was huge for Baltimore to have this game. Or, or, or not Baltimore, but Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh excuse me, yeah. yeah. You got, uh, huge game for Pittsburgh. Okay. Seven now, you know? Exactly. Had they lost this game, they were dropping down to 6-6, six and six, and there is absolutely no, there is no conversation about them in the playoffs whatsoever. So, you, you know, listen. Is Charlie Batch the savior in Pittsburgh? Well, I was just to say, who gets the game ball here? you got to give it to Charlie Batch. Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it. No question about it. Um, let's let's go to a terrible game of the day yesterday. Uh, Jets defeated the Cardinals 7-6. You know, Jets are now 5-7 and seven on the season. The Cardinals just started out hot. What were they, like 3 and 0 or 4 and 0 in the beginning of the year. They're 4 they and 8 four, now. Yeah, they were 4 and 0 and now what? They are 4 and 8. Yes. So they have dropped 8 in a row. Yeah. But the big story coming out of yesterday is Mark Sanchez benched in the third quarter. Yep. Greg McElroy inserted because Tebow is inactive for yesterday's game. Right. And then all of a sudden, McElroy gets put in. He gets uh, a, a little flicker one-yard touchdown pass to uh, uh to uh, Jason Cumberland who uh, excuse me, Jeff Cumberland who, uh, you know what, let me say it now, a blind man with no legs could have made that touchdown pass right there. Okay. Um, you know, anybody in the NFL could have. But the emergence of the Jets team around Greg McElroy was what really got to me. Sean Green all of a sudden rattles off all these big rushing yards, 104 yesterday, Bilal Powell 58. Um, you know, wide receivers all of a sudden look like they wanted to play. So, yeah. you know, to me, um, that really, you know, drove a lot home yesterday. Well, okay, all right, all right. Now you're you're the Jets guy, so I'm turning to you. I think this is a very you've got a number of different interesting side stories here. All right, first side story, you got Sanchez being Ben. Second side story, you got the coach standing up there and saying, "Well, I just thought it was about time that he was." Uh, third side story, where is Tebow in all of the mix? Fourth side story, you've got a fan base up there that doesn't that is so similar to the Philadelphia fan base down here 
Uh, it's not even funny. Everybody's going to jump on the McElroy uh, uh, bandwagon? Seriously? People are already jumping on it. It's, it's, well, it's despicable. But, okay, where are you at with it? I, listen, me, I'm a backer of Mark Sanchez. I think a lot of his flaws have to do with the team around him. And you saw what, he, what a Mark Sanchez could do in his first two seasons. To me, instead of building on that, the Jets downgraded. And with that, I put most of the blame on Mike Tannenbaum and a lot of the rest of the blame on a Rex Ryan. To me, instead of building the team to the strengths of a Mark Sanchez, they downgraded. They lost a lot of character guys, a lot of quality guys, and they brought in a lot of trash like a Santonio Holmes and others. Mm-hmm. Um, great. You know what? McElroy, come in, be the savior, lead this Jets team to some wins, and uh, you know, become the starting quarterback. That's fine. I just think a lot of the hatred towards Mark Sanchez, I think, is wrong. I don't agree with it. Um, to me, I think this is going to be even more of a media circus now because, oh, you make this change now when Tebow's injured. Why didn't you make this last week or the week before? Okay, let me ask you a question. Because he was playing just as miserable that he did yesterday a couple of weeks ago when Tebow was healthy. Right. You know what I mean? So now you get to hear about this, that, oh, well, maybe the coaching staff doesn't like Tim Tebow. Maybe this was a personal vendetta against Tim Tebow to say, hey, we like our third-string quarterback more than we like our second-string quarterback. Well, and that's where my question is going to you. Is there anything to that? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it not the owner and the general manager that really wanted Tebow there? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So could there be, you know, where there's smoke, where there's fire, could there be something to that? Uh, that's my number one question to you. Why is Tebow not a part of this? Obviously, yeah, we know, all right, at least allegedly the word is right now we've got an injury situation, we've got a couple of broken ribs. Yeah. However, does Tebow play when, when he's healthy? That's number one. Number two, are we done seeing Mark Sanchez for the rest of the season? Your time. Go. It, <laughs> it, listen, man, it's, it's hard to say because of the love Rex Ryan has for Mark Sanchez. I'm not going to necessarily go out and say with what everybody else saying that this is Mark Sanchez's last hurrah. You're not going to see him for the rest of the year. That didn't sound like love yesterday during that press conference, that post-game press conference. Listen, then they got the picture of him, you know, Mark Sanchez getting dressed with Rex Ryan's armor on him and now having their little lovey-dovey moment at the locker room, in the All locker right. But still, I, I, I don't necessarily see that this is Mark Sanchez's last hurrah. Anything can happen next week. I still think that they're going to go into next week with, excuse me, this week, with Greg McElroy as the starting quarterback. Okay. From what they've seen yesterday, from what the fans are getting behind McElroy already, they're not going to say, okay, McElroy, you're back on the bench. Tebow's healthy. We're going to start Tebow. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. I don't think but, he can. He can't He can't save face after everything that he just did in that post-game press conference. Well, let me, go here. You know what? Let me say this. The Jets are doing Tim Tebow a favor because now at the season's end, you're going to hear all of this Jets spit in Tim Tebow's face. They didn't give him a chance. He's still a winning quarterback, and he's proven that in Denver, blah, 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 blah. There's going to be teams out there that are going to try to grab Tim Tebow and give him a starting position. I was going to say, are we going to see him on a different team next year? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what? You may see him on the Jacksonville Jaguars. You may even see him on an Arizona Cardinals. You're going to you, Listen, you're going to see a Tim Tebow on a team that needs a jump start at the quarterback position. Okay. And that's as, where you're going to see him. As a Jets fan, how do you feel about the fact that potentially you might be looking at McElroy? starting for the remaining four games? Listen, it, it, it can't hurt right now. Okay. To me, the entire team is in shambles. I think there's a lot of players that need to be sitting, not just Mark Sanchez, but I'm not the coach. I'm not the general manager. I can only state my opinion on it. So, Are you going to see management changes yes. in, uh, at the Jets over the uh, offseason? You're going to see a lot of changes. There's going to be a lot of guys going bye-bye. Okay. Uh, are, are those going to be sufficient without – without actually discussing the coaching staff? It's probably not. Uh, you know what, man? It, it, it honestly depends on who they bring in and in what positions. Okay. Um, it, it, listen, right now it's really tough to say because there's just so many problems within this Jets roster that where do you go to diagnose anything? Yep. You know, to me, I think more, uh, you know Mike Tannenbaum – he really took the Jets and pushed them 10 paces backwards from where they were. You don't go from just two straight AFC championship games looking like you're going to do good in this third year to getting rid of so many key character guys and bringing in these guys who really weren't great teammates in other cities. Mm-hmm. San Antonio Holmes, 
There was a reason why the Pittsburgh Steelers got rid of him for absolutely nothing, you know, and other players. Um, sad to say. I, 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 listen, I, I don't agree with all the blame going on Mark Sanchez. Um, you know, he kept coming in and playing and fighting through everything and, you know, keeping his mouth shut and, you know, trying to do what he could do. Um, unfortunately, he's the quarterback of, uh, of a big market team like the New York Jets. He's always going to get the blame. You know, this isn't hockey. This isn't basketball. This isn't baseball. In no sports, the coach is the first one to get the blame and go. Yeah. Not in not in football. Quarterback is the first one to get the blame. He's the first one that's going to be going. And and it's sad to say, but I think uh, you know uh, you know some, something's going to happen this offseason with Mark Sanchez. Whether he goes down to a second string position and and saves face and says, hey, listen, I'm a team first guy, which I think he is, or they're going to try to get rid of him in the offseason. Something's going to happen. So. But I think this week you're going to see uh, Greg McElroy as the uh, starting quarterback for the New York Jets. Who are the Jets playing this week? Uh, not a good team. Okay. Well, I'll tell you right now. Hold on one second. I'm trying to bring it up. I can't even remember. They're playing the Jaguars. Okay. So, All right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. They're playing okay. the Jaguars. Uh, you know, it's the Jaguars. I, I think, you know, Chad Henney loves playing against the Jets. He's got some nice weapons down there in Jacksonville. I, I honestly think you're going to see a Jets loss here. So yeah, well, it'll be interesting. We'll talk about it on Wednesday, obviously, Absolutely. because the, the lines will be out at that point. But uh, uh, interesting. I, we'll, we'll be watching it. Yeah. Oh, you know what? We definitely will. But listen, four minutes left in the show, Mike. Let's talk about this real quick. We got a couple minutes to talk about it. We mentioned it on Friday's show. Spurs were going to get fined for benching uh, Duncan Ginobili and a couple other players. Yep. They did two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine. Yep. Um, to me, I, I think uh, the NBA had no right to do this. Other people do. Mark Cuban, he says, uh, you know, he's fine with the fine. He goes, uh, I, I respect the Spurs. I think Ray Popovich is the best coach in the league. I understand why he did it. And he goes, I might even take the fine myself if it was us. But he understands why the league did it. Uh, that's but also said that the fine should have been higher because of the amount that was at stake was enormous. Yeah, well, because of the TV deals. That's great for Cuban to say. You know, listen, I usually like the guy, but I mean, a comment like that is ludicrous. I mean, seriously. Uh, you, you know, I, I am so. Listen, excited. I could see if the Heat blew out the Spurs by sixty points. Exactly. To me, that the NBA would have had a better argument here, and Mark Cuban would have had a better argument with his statement, but. It was an exciting game, and the Heat almost lost. And even there, Jonathan, I'm going to tell you right now, I would still say the NBA doesn't have a leg to stand on. Well, exactly. Listen, I, I, I thought it was wrong. I didn't agree with Stern coming in and doing this. Um, I said it last week. Adam Silver can't take over the NBA soon enough. I think Spur, uh, Stern is done. I don't like what he's been doing the last couple of seasons. It's time for Silver to take over. And this was a prime example of why... The NBA needs to be under Adam Silver and not, and not David Stern anymore. Well, yeah, but, you know, the precedent, though, now has been set. So even with a new commissioner coming in, if they wanted to, they could point to that. Look, let's get it straight. Brett said it directly on Friday, and he's absolutely right. This is about marketing. This is about the fact this was a national game. This is all about the fact that, uh, oh, we're, we're trying to put, put an image out there about our game. Okay? That's all it was about. You know, I've got sports. I got sports talk show host down here in the Philadelphia area. I was absolutely furious with on Friday for defending this, yeah. defending this nonsense. This is absolutely wrong. All right, uh, and I'd love to call a couple of those those sports talk show hosts out and have them call into me. Maybe we'll do that on Wednesday. But I'm telling you, uh, it, it, one of them saying outright, uh, "Listen, it's all about entertainment." No, it's not about entertainment. It's about sports, man. It's about winning a championship. And what Popovich did was he's protecting his team. He yep. is preparing for the future. Oh, yeah. And for a commissioner to step in and say, uh-uh-uh, I'm now going to dictate to you what your starting lineup is, that is just wrong. Well, you know what? I've never seen uh, Bud Selig step in and, uh, you know, find a, a team for, uh, you know, benching their favorite player one day because, you know what, we want to rest them for tomorrow's game. No, but it's a very scary situation because now that we've got one league doing it, who's to say another league doesn't try it? Oh, yeah. It'll happen. But anyway, Mike, unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, we'll get – you know what? We'll discuss this more on Wednesday because I think this Absolutely. is a great topic for us to, to discuss. Um, you know what? Thanks to our listeners for listening today. It was a great show. Thank you for Russ Cohen for joining us. And uh, we'll we'll see everybody on Wednesday. You got it. 
Maybe you're a 49ers fan in Jacksonville or a Jets fan in Houston, and you're looking to connect with fellow fans from hundreds or thousands of miles away. Look no further than FanJunkies.net. FanJunkies.net is a social networking site dedicated to fans of every team and every league. Connect with baseball, football, basketball, and hockey fans from throughout the country and throughout the world. Get the latest news, take polls, and interact in live chats on game day. And best of all, it's absolutely free to join. Sign up today at FanJunkies.net. FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.